0: what students' preferences were. So what were the videos pre-pandemic, the professional videos that they had done, how did that compare for student learning and student interest versus the videos that they shot during the pandemic, which were much more informal, although they did have a professional edit to them. And what they found is that students actually preferred and felt more connected to the speaker that was shown in the video when, in the videos that were done during the pandemic. So when they were using the mobile video production lab and when videos were a tad more informal and when guests were invited to be more personable. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. This is our New Year edition. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with co-hosts Brad Garner and Mike Jones. Hey, guys. Hello.
2: Hello. Glad to be back.
0: Crazy to think that when we started, it was 2018, and now here we are welcoming the new year, 2023. We thought the most fitting way to do that would be to reflect on some of our favorite guests and topics from 2022, the previous year. So... That's where the conversation's headed today. We also want to let you know, we already have numerous guests lined up for this year. We're excited about the episodes, the topics. If you have recommendations, please feel free to reach out to Digital to Learn with a numerical two at indwes.edu, and let us know guest names, maybe it's you, or topics that we can feature on our podcast. But without further ado, we're going to share about our favorite guests and topics from the past year. Mike, you want to kick us off?
2: Yeah. I'm also want to share with our audience that there's some new offerings coming from Digital to Learn. If you are a faculty member here at the university, take a look and listen for the Digital to Learn behind the scenes of scholarship episodes that we now have running parallel to these. Those come out every other week instead of weekly, where we have deep dive discussions into what it takes to produce scholarship. And then our colleague, Dr. Garner, also brought to our attention something called YouTube Stories. So we're going to try and endeavor to create some, short 60 second videos on teaching and learning that you can hopefully implement into your life as soon as you see them. So keep an eye out for those and we'll advertise those some more on the website as well. But yeah, oh, guests, amazing guests this last year. Many times I just sit in the background and listen, but I frantically am taking notes and it definitely affects the way that I do what I do every day. Two of those guests were John Orlando and Wilk Oliveira. John Orlando did a video podcast, which you can find linked on our website, but he talked about how to use video feedback to assess student work and the efficacy of that. Some of the things he pointed out was it increases our social presence as faculty members. It allows us to give very specific and personalized feedback to our students. And there's a visceral reaction that's able to be tracked by students when you're reviewing their work in a live environment. And it also gives us, as faculty members, the ability to clarify specific details and visually show examples. And in my case, I teach pre-production and production courses as well as post-production. So this type of video assessment where I'll use Zoom and then I'll open their video edit or the documents that they're working on. And then I'll share my screen with just that edit on it and then I'll record that. And so I give live watch through of that. And one great argument for this is when they've got to do an edit between two images or two video segments, sometimes that's just like a frame difference. And to talk to someone or write that out in text is almost impossible. But in this format, I can literally go frame by frame and show them exactly what I mean, very specific to their project. So it's been super powerful in this class. And then time savings in this at first i thought man i'm gonna have to assess these twice once before i hit record so i know what i'm talking about and then recording it and doing it again but i found that's not true if i do in the moment assessment it allows me to be more human to my students because I'm going to stumble on my words, I'm going to make mistakes. I might even get at the end of an edit go, oh, remember what I said about that? Never mind, because you covered it here. So it allows me to be very personal and human. And then I also give them short written feedback in our LMS. So not only did they get the video with my in the moment assessment, But I give them in text a synopsis of the biggest points from the detail so they can review that without having to watch the video completely back. So that's one guest. And I'm going to talk too much if I do two guests. So I'm going to pass it on and then I'll come back to Wilk. So thanks for the opportunity to share how much I got from John Orlando's podcast with us.
0: Who stands out for you, Brad?
1: I think by far my favorite was the episode where we had Elon Musk and Barack Obama. Their dialogue was fascinating. I never would have expected it, but they agreed on lots of things. and just had a great conversation
2: (laughs) between the ferns with Elon Musk and Barack Obama. Right.
0: And what was that episode number again?
2: Uh, 346, I believe. Okay. yeah. All right. You heard it here. 346.
0: It was by far in terms of analytics. We hit it out of the park with that one.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Brad,
1: did you have someone else? Oh, my favorite every year. Uh, you could ask me 2023, 2024, Aww. infinity, Brian Alexander.
0: Yeah.
1: And I marvel at the pulse he has on everything that's going on everywhere. I don't know how he does this. Yeah. He has a fountain of information on so many different topics and it just articulates them so well. He's clearly one of my heroes.
2: He is such a pro at moderating an online discussion, too. Oh. If you watch his, he did a video cast with us for the podcast, and he answers random audience questions without missing a beat on his presentations. It's yeah. it's like watching art happen when he moderates. It's yeah. amazing. It is. It is.
0: You know, earlier, Mike, you talked about in this new year that we're thinking about doing these YouTube shorts and well, we primarily focus on audio podcasts, but with Brian Alexander, as you mentioned, we have video of his presentation that he gave in addition to the audio podcast. So that'd be an obvious place for us to share that video. of Our recent dialogue with Brian Alexander would be on our YouTube page, which is when this episode is live, it will probably no longer be forthcoming. It'll be live. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It will be live digital to learn on YouTube. We'll get Absolutely. that Brian Alexander episode yes.
2: loaded. It's actually live now, but there's oh, nothing good. on it. So okay. Awesome. Did you share a guest, Tiffany?
0: No. No, <laughs> oh, it's your turn. It's my turn. I had so much fun talking to Sophie Thompson of Virtual Speech. Sophie's organization has been in the VR world since 2014. So before the pandemic, and before I believe there was a buzz around VR. So She's been doing this meaningful work. The team has been doing research. They have dozens of courses that students can take primarily on soft skills. So you can wear the VR headset or you can have the XR experience doing an online format of the same course. But what I like about it, as I mentioned, is that it's been around. I like that it has a female CEO. I like that she posts and pursues new challenges and endeavors for the virtual speech world um, every day. At least that's what I see on LinkedIn. That's what she shared. And I like that there's analytics to support the learning that actually takes place in VR. So it's not Mm. just about putting the headset on and, you know, hoping students think it's cool. There is specific learning analytics her team has dialed into and can report on. They're doing amazing things. And I would encourage everyone to look up virtual speech and Sophie Thompson on LinkedIn or online.
2: Or on the Digital to Learn podcast
0: or on the Digital to Learn podcast. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> the second guest that we had, Wilk Oliveira, I mean, we had a lot of great guests. These ones stood out to me, I think, just because they tie so closely to what I'm doing currently. But Wilk came on and he talked with us about gamification. And there's a lot of different aspects about gamification. Tiffany, I agree that I think we could do another complete podcast with him on other aspects of what is in academia, gamification, what we know in the real world as learning by playing games. But it's so much deeper than that, because we tend to think about games not being used well for education. But he was very clear about specific uses for gamification in that episode. I recommend that you, if you're interested in that work, that you go and listen to it. He's got a lot of really great information. But two things that really stood out to me. One was dealing with customizations versus personalization. And that just still sticks with me Mm -hmm. when I'm thinking about course design and designing anything, because I'm also a game designer. I'm a game master for tabletop games. And allowing that to happen where you're personalizing based upon the preferences of someone versus just giving them the option to customize is a fundamental difference that I don't think many of us are aware of, the difference between the two. So tune into that episode to learn more about those topics. The second thing was how the taxonomy of gamification is so much bigger than my imagination could handle. And in the research that they've done, they've broken gamification into five basic large buckets. So performance, ecological, social, personal, and fictional. And so when I think about The way gamification works, they break those five into more segments. So just for example, the fictional side of gamification is about a narrative or storytelling, which is right in my bailiwick. That's where I think about game and gamification. Some of my favorite games are narrative games or ones that tell a really good story. I think you see success in the gaming world there too, in games like Halo, where they have a storyline, or Call of Duty, where you can play a storyline. Some other taxonomies... Again, this is a great chart. I think it's available on our website and in his research papers, but like in the ecological talks about economy and imposed choices and chance. There's more categories there. And the social side of gamification, competition, cooperation, reputation, personal has different topics like sensation and objective or puzzles. Uh, And then the performance side of things. Again, there's more included. I'm just giving you a few that stood out to me on the performance side, the statistics side of it, points and levels, progressions, those types of things. So there's this beautiful layout of the best ways to use gamification in our courses and honestly in business. So I recommend you tune in to Wilk's podcast with us.
0: For me, a second guest that stands out is Raphael Jackson of Sage Publishing. Mm. And Brad connected us with him. Brad had actually participated in some videos with Sage. Is that true, Brad? Yes, get in my correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And brought him to our attention. And what I appreciated that he said was that during the pandemic, Sage had to find a solution for their video needs. And so what they did was they resorted to doing mobile video production where they would ship out video equipment and lighting equipment to authors or to their partners and have them conduct the videos with some online consultation on the side. Remotely and then would have the equipment shipped back and then they would do some post-production and kind of connect with their guest about that experience and make sure that the resulting video is what they wanted. Really, this was a response to the pandemic, but Sage Publishing and the team that Raphael served on was very proactive in collecting research from students and from those that participated in the videos to see what the students' preferences were. So mm-hmm. what were the videos pre-pandemic, the professional videos that they had done? How did that compare for student learning and student interest versus the videos that they shot during the pandemic, which were much more informal, although they did have a professional edit to them. Mm -hmm. And what they found is that students actually preferred and felt more connected to the speaker that was shown in the video when in the videos that were done during the pandemic. So when they were using the mobile video production lab and when videos were a tad more informal and when guests were invited to be more personable to actually have some mistakes or some nuances that were unique to them students found those speakers more relatable and i think that's encouraging for all of us in higher ed even you know some of faculty will show concerns about being on camera whether it's on zoom for a synchronous session or recording a welcome video recording a short lecture There is some hesitancy, but really our students want to know that we are real persons and that they can relate to us. And we don't have to worry about that inhibiting learning. In fact, it could actually help learning and their satisfaction. So that was a really neat episode for us to hear about. And then Mike over here is in the process of putting together a mobile production opportunity for our faculty at Indiana Wesleyan University. So we'll be eager to collect some data and to report back on how that's going at IWU.
2: Very good. Inspired. Very good. Well, it's been amazing talking with you guys about the guests that we've had over this last year, 2022. I'm really looking forward to what's next and working with you guys to find more interesting topics at the intersection of education and technology.
0: Thank you to all of our loyal listeners and our new listeners. It's going to be a great year, 2023 on the Digital to Learn podcast. We'll see you next week with a new episode, new guest, and new topic.
1: See you later. Thank you for joining us on Digital to Learn. If
0: you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform.
1: Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future.
0: Always keep learning.